You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. We're continuing in our series, How to Survive the Wilderness of Temptation. Remember, none of us can escape being tempted, but we can escape giving in to temptation. What I'm trying to bring out in this series is the devil is always going to fight you. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The devil's always going to fight you. He's never going to leave you alone. As long as you're giving him a reason to, be, to, to make him worried, he's going to fight you. If the Lord could even use you in the smallest bit, he's going to fight you. But he doesn't have to win, okay? He doesn't have to win. It's a battle that you cannot avoid. There's no discharge from this war. So if we have to fight it, let's win it. And there's different ways that we can win it. And you can win it by knowing when the temptation is going to come. Remember what we learned from this word, then. Then was Jesus led up into the wilderness of the Spirit to be tempted of the devil. Then was right after a victory, right? We'll, we'll get into it after, after we read and I have you sit down. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, See, the devil can quote scripture too. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. I love this. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. Father, bless the preaching of your word and help us to survive this wilderness of temptation. Lord, I truly believe that the rewards that we will receive in heaven are based upon how we handle the temptation that comes into our life. Lord, this temptation to sin is very real. It's very powerful. And we cannot win this battle without you. But so many people are fighting without you just in plain ignorance or, or a lack of understanding of the scriptures and, and the power that we have at our employ. We ask that you would change our lives today, that we would fall in love with your Bible afresh and anew tonight. And we ask this for your name, for your glory. Thank you so much for all the work that you've done. We praise you for the souls that you saved. Lord, keep, keep, it, keep it going, Lord. Please keep it going. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we have learned so far that then is after a victory. So don't get caught off guard. The devil is not a gentleman. He's not going to give you some time to celebrate after you've had a good day. We've had a good day today. We've had a good service this morning. My, my dad is on cloud nine right now. He, he, he went out soul winning on Saturday. I might have him say something about it on Wednesday. Went out, went out soul winning yesterday and nobody opened the door. 
He said, I was so discouraged. Took his dog for a walk and ran into a neighbor that he had talked to a couple times before. Invites the neighbor. He, the neighbor comes. His wife comes. And then the wife texts her sister and brings her husband. And all four of them get saved this morning. And all four of them get baptized. That's a good day. And you know what? Every single person who prayed for that to happen, you have a part in that. You have a part in that victory. That soul has been added to your account. Every single one of you who ties and gives here, that soul is added to your account. The special this morning, that soul was added to your account. The musicians this morning, that soul was added to your account. The ushers this morning that greeted them and found them a seat, that soul is added to your account. Today was a good day. Guess what? Before the sun goes down, some of you men who are smiling at this day are going to be tempted to look at something on your phone. Some of you ladies who had a really good day this morning are going to be tempted to commit an awful sin. The devil doesn't care that you had a good day. In fact, the fireworks that we set off just a while ago in our hearts and in our minds and in our, in our mouths praising is what set his targets on you. Don't get caught off guard tonight just because you had a good day. Then is at the start of your next spiritual journey. I don't know where the devil is tonight, but I know where he's going to be Saturday at 2 o'clock. He's going to be at this wedding right here. Or he's going to have some of his minions, some of his imps here. Because he knows that a journey of faith is about to start. And if he can get you at the very beginning, he's going to get you at the very beginning. He has no, he has no mercy for rookies. Remember, no head starts. Oh, let him have their honeymoon. No, he'll get you on your honeymoon. All right? He'll get you on the honeymoon phase of ministry. He'll get you on the honeymoon phase of your ministry. He'll get you on the honeymoon phase of church. He'll get you on the honeymoon. He does not care. He has no problem killing babies. So don't get caught off guard, but set the guard right from the very start. There are no do-overs. Oh, I wish I would have known. Well, now you know. Be very careful. He does not care. He is a ruthless enemy. Number three, what we learned last week. Then is when your weakness is targeted. Then is when you are weak. Remember, the devil always attacks, but he especially attacks when you are least likely to fight back. But then then is where you're weak. He knew that Jesus was hungry, so he came with his first temptation to make bread. You're hungry? Why don't you eat? Then is where you're weak. Remember, the devil attacks everywhere, but he especially attacks where you're least likely or where you're most likely to fail. So let me get that right, okay? So the devil attacks always, but especially when you are least likely to fight. The devil attacks everywhere, but especially where you are most likely to fail. If he knows that you are weak in your mouth, that's where he's going to attack you. If he knows where you're weak in your eyes, that's where he's going to attack you. He's not some big brother that just messes around. If he finds your weakness, that's where he's going to go. He's not going to break through a door if a window's open. He's not going to scale a wall if the door is broken down. So remember, admit where you are weak. Set a guard there. Find somebody who, is a, who, you're accountable to, who you can be accountable to and check in on you. And Brother Jesse, for goodness sake, if you're struggling with your temper, don't find another man that struggles with his temper to keep you accountable. Because all you're going to do is cuss with each other. If, if, if somebody is struggling with drugs, you do not find another person who is addicted to drugs to help them get out of the drugs, okay? So you need to find somebody who has already beaten it or who has never struggled with that before so that they can give you a different mindset. Admit where you are weak. Find a guard. Find somebody to keep you accountable. Pray that the Lord would give you victory in that area and build up that weak area by saying no. 
Every time you say no, 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 you are building up that wall, and pretty soon the devil will leave you alone. The devil will leave you alone there. Next week, what we're going to learn is then is not the last. The week after, or a year from now, I don't know. Then is not the end. Tonight, what we're going to learn, then is when you need scripture. Then is when you need scripture. So three different phases of the message. Phase number one, consider both the power of temptation and scripture. Phase number two, consider where both of those things find their power. And it might not be exactly where you think at, at first. And then phase number three is what do we do about it? So, I mean, so what? What do we do about it? So phase number one, part one, consider the power of temptation. Temptation is what led to the perfect Garden of Eden being ruined. I don't like when people blame their environment for their sin. Oh, the only reason I sin is because of the home that I grow up in or because I'm constantly surrounded by this. You could be in a perfect environment and your heart could still lead you astray. Temptation is what caused Ham, Noah's son, what a name, Ham looking at what he should not. Men have always struggled with that. Looking at what he should not, and it brought a generational curse upon him and his family. Temptation is what made Samson handicap his service for the Lord. Temptation is what took the strongest man in the world and made him one of the weakest leaders because he couldn't handle temptation. Temptation is what caused David, the man after God's own heart, to break God's heart. Temptation is what led David's kingdom to fall. It led to the ruin of his family. It led to the scarring of his mind. He said, my sin is ever before me. In Psalm 51, he always remembered the sin with Bathsheba. He always remembered what happened with, with Amnon and Tamar. He always remembered what happened with Absalom and Amnon. He always remembered what happened with Absalom. It was always before him. And he knew at the core of it, it came back to him. Temptation is what caused Hezekiah to compromise with Babylon. Just focus in extra church. It's okay. Temptation is what caused Gehazi to go after and, and deceive, deceive Naaman and steal. Temptation is what caused Peter to deny Jesus three times. Temptation is what caused Judas to betray his own master. Temptation is what caused Ananias and Sapphira to die. Temptation is what caused Demas to forsake Paul. It was, it's what caused Paul's struggle with lust in Romans chapter 7. Temptation is what leads to adultery, murder, fornication, drugs, alcohol, pornography, addictions, sneaking around your family, sneaking around your parents. That's all temptation. Now, temptation itself is not sin, but it's what leads to sin. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. But when you look back at all of those people who fell, temptation had a critical role to play in that. It wouldn't have happened without temptation. What I'm trying to bring out is temptation is so powerful, it has caused many millions of men and women that are stronger than you. And that were better Christians than you and me. To fall. I've got letters in my desk from men who could out-preach me any day. 
One of, the men, one of the men who signed that letter with his own hand preached, I would say, one of the greatest messages that I have ever heard. Started with an illustration, just performed surgery all throughout it and brought it to a close at the end where, where hundred, uh, it was at least, I'd say, two to 300 people there in awe of the message. Aisles were flooded. Signed with his own hand. When he preached that message, he was committing adultery. While he preached that message, adultery was going on. Temptation is powerful. Temptation is what caused one of the preachers, one of the pastors of the largest churches in America, not very long ago, to drive across state lines so he could have a relationship with an underage girl. And he's still in prison today. Temptation is powerful. Temptation has taken a man who is very close very close to the ministry that I grew up in. And I talked to him, and he, he fell. He fell, and he fell hard. And I talked to another pastor very close to me, you know him very well, who's trying to help him through it. And I'll never forget what that pastor told me, not the pastor who fell, but the pastor who's trying to help. He said, Johnny... I believe our churches would change if we could play the recording of the phone call where that man was screaming. And you can hear his family, you can hear his wife, and you can hear his kids in the background, and that man is screaming to me, what have I done? What have I done? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. What have I done? Oh, my God, what have I done? 20 years of pastor. Temptation is powerful. It's not something to be trifled with. And but for the grace of God, you and I would be there. That's the power of it. Consider the power of Scripture. Scripture, it is the Word of God that created all that we see. How many of you saw the eclipse the other day? That was incredible, wasn't it? There's just this big ball of fire. That if it were any further, we'd freeze. And if it were any closer, we'd cook. And it's just hanging there. And it's enormous. It's absolutely enormous, just floating. Just floating out there, giving us its light, giving us its warmth. And then there's another thing called the moon. And that's really cool. And, and, and it floated right in between. And all the, all the shadows turned into semicircles. Did you see that? And everything was blurry. And, and pretty much the entire state of Texas stopped at the awe of God's creation. He said, let there be light. And there was light. Listen, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, the word was there. God said, let there be light. Look in Genesis chapter 1. And God said, and God said, and God said. Everything we see, the sun and its, and its might God said it. God spoke it into being. That's what the word of God can do. Think about the moon. Think about the stars. And he made the stars also. Yeah, those trillions and trillions of things. I made those. And I called them all by name. That is the power of the word of God. What about the oceans? 
The ocean's in its strength. Have you ever seen what water can do? The Grand Canyon? Evolution. Come on. It, it was water. It was a great flood that came through and eroded all of that, where you look at it and just think, oh, my goodness, it can swallow up skyscrapers. That's what water can do. And yet God said, you can be as boastful as you want up here, but you stop right here. And it obeys. That is the power of God's word. He said, peace be still. And there was a calm immediately. That is the power of God's word. Think about the animals and all their diversity. Have you ever, do you realize there are animals out there as big as this pulpit that can come up to your head and whack and your head would be off? Now, if God's creation is that awesome, how awesome is God? Cats scare me. You know, the, the big, the, the lions and, and things like that. I'll take the little kitty cats. I love the little kitty cats. I love them. I love them fried. I love them sauteed. I love them with rice. I love them with soy sauce. It's really, they're really great. But the big ones, the big ones scare me. I'm in awe of those things. You watch the, the BBC documentaries of these cats that are taking down wildebeests and how they work with one another. God created that. A whale that, that is bigger than this room that eats the smallest of creatures just because God thought that would be fun. And think of the things that used to walk on this earth that, thank God, are extinct. I am glad I do not live in a world where Tyrannosaurus rexes are still around everywhere. Every now and then, you'll hear, you'll hear a news report of a zoo. A monkey got loose, and you're like, oh, whatever. Could you imagine? Well, <clears throat> T-Rex got loose again. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Pterodactyls flying around everywhere, carrying off children. Carrying off little Asian men like me because they think I'm a child. I am so glad that's not there anymore. But, th but think of the incredible awesomeness of God's creation all from his word. There's power in scripture. Think of the eye. Think of the mind. Think of the ear. Think of humans and our ability. Think of the fact that we rule the world. Do you, do you know why? Really because this. We're able to do this. And nobody else can, okay? You, you give a dog a bone, you know what he's doing? He's... <laughs> we, just, we just pick it up, and we can handle things, and we can shoot things, and we can do all that because, because of this right here. And God spoke that. That's pretty cool. How about, how about this? If, if we're not convinced about the power of God's word, it's God's word that brings faith to a sinner. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Four lost souls walked in this morning, confused. I'd been baptized in the Catholic Church. I'd been, I'd been baptized as a baby. I'd been baptized as a Mormon. He, he's, I, I don't, I don't but they heard God's word, and it sunk deep into their heart, and it brought them to the Savior. That is the power of God's word. It did it to Paul. It did it to Abraham. It did it to Charles Finney. You, you read Charles Finney's testimony when he said, basically, Lord, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. Charles Spurgeon, a 15-, 16-year-old boy who in a blizzard said, I felt like I was about to sink into hell itself. And he walks into a, a church where the pastor isn't even there. A deacon is there because the pastor didn't make it because of the snowstorm. And the deacon got, gets up and preached on, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. You, just, you can look. Not many of you can work. Not many of you can... Do this, not, but everyone can look. You can look, can't you? 
And he pointed at that 15-year-old and he said, sir, you look like you're in the depths of misery. Jesus can save you right now. And Charles Spurgeon got saved because of the word of God. Think of when the word of God came to you. And it was undeniable. It was inescapable. How about this? The word of God is so powerful, it impresses even the unbeliever. There's a couple guys right now that I, that I enjoy watching and just because of their ability to speak and their ability to speak extemporaneously, which means without notes. And they're philosophers and they're politicians or, or whatever it is, and many of them are not saved. Many of them are not believers. And yet some of them right now are getting caught up in how awesome the Bible is. Do you know who I'm talking about, Brother Scott? <laughs> and and he's, he's going on podcasts and, and, he's, and people, you know, do you believe in God? I can't say if I believe in God or not, but I'll tell you this. The Bible is incredible. And he can't get away from it. He's doing studies in Genesis. He's doing studies in Exodus. And he's going through. The Bible impresses even non-believers. Here's what, here's what I love. Do you know how I know that the, the word of God is so powerful? Not, not just because it brought salvation to me, but it guides and it sustains the believer. How many times have you been in the depths of despair and the Bible is what brought you through? How many times you didn't know what to read? You didn't even know if you wanted to read and you just opened it up and you may have opened it up to Deuteronomy and there was something in there that got you through the day because God's word is powerful. How many times were you sad and you read the Psalms and they brought you through? How many times were you looking for wisdom and you read the Proverbs and they brought you through? How many times has there been comfort in your soul as a parent that you have a guidebook for your family? How many times has it brought comfort to you as a sinner who's messed up something and you look at, well, wait a second, he messed up too. And he messed up too. And he messed up too. And she messed up. And he messed up. This Bible is full of mistakes. You know that? Not mistakes in the text, but mistakes with people. And God goes and says, get back up again. God's word is powerful. This is really the only one that we need. Think about this. We, we talked about how powerful temptation is. You want to know how powerful scripture is? Jesus used it in his hour of temptation and scripture won. Temptation is powerful. But three times Jesus was tempted, three times Jesus said, it is written, and Scripture won every single time. Scripture is powerful. Temptation is powerful. Now, phase two, where do they find their power? Now, I think a lot of us would say their source. Think about the source of temptation, Satan himself. He is a masterful hunter. He's accurate, and temptation is tailored to you. Temptation is tailored to your personality, to your schedule, to your life. He, he makes things custom. He customizes sin for you. The source of temptation brings its power. What about the source of Scripture? It's God's Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God is perfect, therefore Scripture is perfect. God is wise, therefore Scripture is wise. God is kind, therefore Scripture is wise. God is quick and powerful, and so is the Bible. God is omniscient, and so is the Bible. God is complete, and so is the Bible. But I would argue there is something else other than their source that gives them their power, and even more power than their source. Think about this. No matter how powerful the attack may be, 
What good is that attack if the target is prepared to avoid it? Jeremy, you told me just you're boxing now. Are you actually boxing or you just work at UPS? What are you doing? <laughs> you're boxing. Okay, you might have a strong punch. What good is that punch if he's always blocking it, if the opponent is always ready? How about this? What good is medicine? What good is the affordability of the medicine? What good is the efficacy of the medicine? What good is the history of the medicine? What good is the, the, the price of the medicine? What good is it if it doesn't come to the patient in time? You know where temptation finds its power? It's source, sure, but it's timing. Temptation finds its power in its timing. It's when you're unprepared that temptation comes. Do you know why those people in that list at the beginning fell? Well, because Satan is too powerful. No, no. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So don't tell me that those people failed and fell in sin because Satan is just too powerful. Let me tell you why they fell. The timing of it. He found David alone. Found Eve alone. And by the way, a lot of people say temptation happens when you're alone. No, it doesn't. It happens when you're lonely. And you can be lonely in a group of 1,000 people. As soon as you lose your understanding that Christ is with you, that is when temptation comes. How quickly would temptation go away if one of these boys were sneaking around in the room and their father walked in the room? How quickly would that temptation stop? If they're sneaking around behind the church building, we got a camera back there as well. They're sneaking around behind the church building wanting to smooch. And dad walks around the corner. How quickly they would look at that girl and say, no! I shan't! When five seconds before, when dad wasn't there, oh, I shall. Oh, I shall. Okay, it's something different when dad's there. When you forget that dad is there, You'll give in to the temptation, and temptation will come. Temptation flees when you say, no, I can't. Dad's watching. It happens when you're lonely. That is where the power of temptation is, the timing. Do you know why Jesus escaped giving in to temptation? Because Scripture is more powerful than Satan? Well, certainly he is. Uh, Certainly Scripture is. But what good would all the power of Scripture have done If Jesus did not have access to it in his mind and in his heart in the hour of temptation. A weapon does no good if you don't have it while you're being robbed. Are you going to look back at the robber and say, oh, I got a gun at home. I wouldn't do this. I've got a gun in my car 500 yards away. He's not going to care. What good is the weapon? It's a powerful weapon. It's a 40 caliber it's gonna, it could blow your head off, sir. He's gonna, give me your wallet. I have a weapon over there. He's not gonna care. You need it in time. Now, if the, if the robber comes up, give me, all your, give me all your brains or I'll blow your money out. And you go, same to you, buddy. <laughs> now we're talking. A sword does no good if you don't know how to use it before the battle. Do you know where scripture finds its power? In its timing. 
And if you're waiting until you're in the hour of temptation, it's too late. Jesus escaped because before his temptation, he studied and he memorized scripture so that he could access it in time. Now, no excuses. Well, he was God. He already knew it all. None of that. What Jesus was showing us is that even I, as the son of God, if I'm going to make it through my temptation, I need scripture. And if you want to look at him and say it's unfair, he knew it all. Well, you don't. You need to learn it, and you need to memorize it, and you need it. Do you, do you want to survive when the then of your temptation comes? No scripture before then. Do you want help in the battle? Study in the barracks. Right. Yep. Don't wait until the battle. You need to have scripture in your mind so that when that image pops up, you know, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Because, gentlemen, I don't know about you, when that image pops up and when you see that billboard and you see that, it's tempting. You're, you're, you're a man. It's tempting. And when nobody else is around, you're, gonna, you're going to rely on your own strength to walk away from that? No, sir, you're not strong enough. No, sir, you're not strong enough. No, sir, you're not strong enough. You need scripture. And you need scripture that will remind you, I am weak, but he is strong. When the bottle gets passed around, when you get invited out at work, when you're lonely on Friday and Saturday and the boys text you or the girls text you, we're going to go out and we're going to drink. You need to have in your mind, wine is a mocker and strong drinkers raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. You need to have that in your mind already. When times get tough and you're tempted not to put that tithe in, you need to have, will a man rob God? You need to have that in your mind. Will a man rob God? The Holy Spirit isn't just going to send a dove with a little verse tucked into its tail. You need to have this in your mind when somebody says something to you, when somebody does something to you, and you want to box. You need to have in your mind, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You need to have in your mind, turn the other cheek also. When that temptation comes to gossip, to spread lies, to spread rumors, you need to have in your mind, there's a law in Leviticus that says, curse not the deaf. That's gossip. God said, don't put a stumbling block in front of the blind. That's a bad joke. Don't do that. Would you ever put a brick in front of somebody who's blind so that they purposely trip? Don't do that. And he also said this, don't curse the deaf. Just because they can't hear you doesn't mean you can say it. You need to have that in your mind. When the temptation comes to lie, especially kids, you know, lying is a good escape. It really is. When your parents come up above you and, and there's rage and there's fire and smoke coming out of their mouth and their ears, did you do it? And they don't know if you did it or not. They got no clue. And, and maybe they drop this, I might know something that you don't. And you know, if I just say no, they'll leave me be. You need to have in your mind, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and burns stone. You need to have that in your mind. So how do we do that? Phase three, what to do, what to do. Are we ready? Number one, read every morning. Read every morning. Some of you read at night. 
I'm not gonna chastise you, I'm not gonna say that you're, you're a failure, but I will say this, the armor of God makes a much better suit throughout the day than pajamas at night. Read every morning, at least the proverb of the day. Read every morning. Wake up and let that be your first thing. Don't be going to social media before you read your Bible. Okay? Don't do that. If you need your cup of joe and you need your Wheaties, you go ahead and do that while you read your Bible, but you read your Bible first. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. My friend, my friend, if you cannot read a chapter of the Bible as you wake up in the morning, you are not going to be able to do the hard things in the Christian life. Read every morning. And guess what? Oh, we'll get there in a little bit. Number two, read to obtain. Read to obtain. Too many of us, we're reading to maintain a schedule. We're not reading to, to obtain anything. Let me tell you, I'm going to tell you tonight when you should stop reading your Bible. There is a time when you should stop reading your Bible. Do you know when it is? When it speaks to you. When it speaks to you, you stop. If somebody was talking to you and, and in the conversation they said something interesting, would you just move on or would you say, could you expound on that a little bit? That's interesting to me. I want to talk about that. And when you read a Bible verse that jumps out at you, I don't care how many checklists you have left. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Stop. Just stop, okay? Stop. Stop and soak it in. Stop right. I don't care if it's the first verse. I don't care if you wake up tomorrow and you read Proverbs 16.1 and it jumps out at you and you want to take some extra time in it. If that's the only verse that you read, wouldn't you rather read one verse that you get something out of than 100 verses just so that you could check something off? Read to obtain. Number three, don't be discouraged when you don't obtain. Okay? You're not going to get something that jumps off the page every single time. It's a difficult book. It's a deep book. It's a book that is infinite and we are finite. It's a book that is very precise and we are not. Don't be discouraged when you don't obtain. There's a young man that went up to a preacher and he said, Preacher, I am reading my Bible. I'm reading my Bible. I'm reading my Bible every day and I'm not getting anything out of it. He gave him a sieve. You know a sieve, a, a colander? What, what do you call those things? A sieve. What? A strainer. Sure. Thanks, love. A strainer. And he said, go down, go down to the river and bring me back water in the strainer. What do you think happened? Well, first of all, the young man looked at the preacher like he was an idiot, which isn't a new thing under the sun. But he went and he came and there's, there's nothing in the strainer. Son, I told you to go get me water. Go back to the river and get me water. Went and did it again. Three times, four times, five times. No water but a pretty clean strainer. Get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Church, just let the water of the word wash through you. You might not retain a lot, but you'll have a pretty clean strainer. And you'll be surprised. You read something and, then two, and, and it doesn't resonate, but then two weeks later, oh, oh, I just read that. I just read that. And then it becomes a treasure hunt. Where was it? Where was it? And then you find it, and you underline it, and you highlight it. And that's the next one. When you obtain something, notate it. When you obtain something, memorize it. Somebody asked me recently, is it, is it bad that I write in my Bible? No. No, 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 no. Write. Mark. Just don't tear. Don't fold. Don't do anything. But write. Mark. Memorize it. Get a 3 by 5 card. Get a highlighter set. D do whatever you need to do. D enjoy Bible study. When, when God told the Israelites, one day you're going to have a king. I think it's in Deuteronomy. Don't, don't quote me. 
I think it's in Deuteronomy. He said, one day you're going to have a king, and this is what I want every king to do. He's going to write out his own copy of the law. He wanted it to be personal. You know why I love my Bible? I'm not just talking about the Bible. Do you know why I love my Bible? This Bible has my notes in it. It's got all the times where God spoke to me and it jumped out at me. It's got all my highlights in there. It's got all my color codes in there. If I lost this, that's why I scan it. I've scanned it in color so that if I lose this, I still have it. But church, I've fallen in love with my Bible. My Bible. And you need to do the same. Read every morning. Read to obtain. Don't be discouraged when you don't obtain. Notate and memorize what you obtain. Set it as your phone background. Mark it. Write it on a three by five card and memorize it. Do whatever you need to do. Proverbs chapter 21 and we'll be done. Proverbs chapter 21. Oh, I have so much more to say, but I want to be short. Ooh. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. We understand what that's saying, right? You can prepare all you want, but when you get in the battle, you need the Lord on your side or you're not going to win. But Brother Danny, what did you say the other day? There's a corollary. Is that, is that the word where you could reverse it and see if the reverse is too, true? Brother Danny, would the reverse also be true? I think it's wrong of us to expect the Lord to do something in battle if we're not preparing our horse before the battle. If you want the Lord to help you in battle, walk with him before the battle. Now listen to me. It doesn't matter. You understand it doesn't matter how much you prepare before. You need God in the battle. But if you want God in the battle, you should probably do something before it too. The only time God hears your voice does not need to be in the midst of the battle. And the only time you hear God's voice doesn't need to be in the midst of the battle. Prepare the horse. Understand that God is what you need. God is who you need, rather. Understand that, but also, he wants you to do some things on your end. So, if you want to survive when your then of temptation comes, you need to have scripture. You better have scripture before then. Some of you have fallen. All of us have fallen, okay? All of us have fallen. Some have fallen hard, but all of us have fallen. Did you know that the world was spared in Noah's day because the Bible says that he was a just man, a just man? I would say that's a pretty good word to describe a man if Noah was, if it was used to describe Noah, a just man. And here's what the Bible says, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. We're going to talk about this in two weeks from now, but then is not the end. Then is not the end. You can make it through it. And what, I would, and what I would remind you, what we're going to talk about next week, then is not the last. Just because he got us to fall once doesn't mean he doesn't want to get us to fall again. Fool me once, shame on me. You. Fool me twice, shame on me, right? That was far less dramatic than I wanted it to be, but you understand. <laughs> Don't make the same mistake twice. Here is the invitation. Fall in love with God's word again. Get into God's word again. 
You've gotten out of it. Get back into it. Every morning, read to obtain. Don't get discouraged if you don't obtain. Welcome to the club. But when something does pop out at you, thank God for it. Notate it. Memorize it. Enjoy it. It will help you in your hour of temptation. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.